I'm Byron Sanders, and this is how you sell without selling out. Rogers That. Hi, I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And today we have someone who's a lot of things. He's a longtime friend. He's a fellow SMU Mustang. He is. Um, he's a leader in the community. He's a thought leader. He's a philanthropist. He's a winner, uh, and he really just finds a way to weave himself into crowds that are well-respected. Uh, he's an honorable person, and I think that he is one of the reasons that Dallas is uh, growing, and not just with population, but with uh, culture, with diversity, with um, sincerity, and um, I'm excited to hear his story. Ironically, um, this whole thing started over a cup of coffee at our office, and we were Sorry. having such a great conversation that our team said, why don't you guys do a podcast? And then he said, let's do it. And by he, I mean Byron Sanders. So Byron, welcome that was my that was my uh intro because we said we didn't have the theme music yeah no theme music but he brought his own air horn i did i did what's up man man thanks for thanks for coming yeah um may give us a little bit of background where this is honestly kind of our real first date we've known each other for a long time it's so it's one of those things where you like you see somebody across the room and it's like i noticed you noticing me and i wanted you to know that i noticed that not in like a flirty way but it was just isn't it isn't it is, it? yeah. Yeah, you can have platonic flirts. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And that's this was a bro flirt. Not, not even going to lie. No, no, for sure. Yeah. This podcast, the ratings just went up significantly. So We just um, coined something right here. Hashtag bro flirt. Bro flirt. Yeah. Um, back to the podcast. So um, so who, who is Byron Sanders? And this is a question that I actually want to know, too, that I was going to ask you at coffee. But now this is a real genuine get to know each other and we're doing with coffee too so um not just any coffee free rain coffee oh my god have you like i tripped over this well he also has a he also has a ripped achilles and so he's tripping over leaves too (laughs) i don't move very fast right now um the cameras can't see it i'll show y'all later on but um man who's byron sanders i that is a great question but it's actually a question that i Got pretty serious about answering because I hit a quarter-life crisis around 2008, and I didn't really know yet. Um, that you, who you were, or that you're in the middle of a crisis? I didn't know who I was. Um, so 2008, <clears throat> parents were, uh, you know, let us know they were on their way to a divorce. Mm. Um, my brother ended up going to the hospital because he set himself on fire. That's how he revealed that he had schizophrenia. Oh, my gosh. And um, and then my daughter was born. Like, all of this happens in, like, 90 days. Mm. So the quarter-life crisis, all of those things, like, pop, 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 both good and bad, right? Like, in juxtaposition, it just had me pause and be like, okay, God, what in the world are you, what's happening here? Like, what are you telling me? And so I had gone through a process where I wrote a mission statement. So I have a mission statement. It's a mission of Byron Keith Sanders, love my God with all my heart and soul, to be the husband, father, son, and brother according to what pleases him, and to work diligently and daily in my most sincere efforts to pursue my appointed purpose with honor, character, bravery, and love. That purpose is connecting people to the experiences and opportunities that open up their vast potential, right? So that's why I, am. That's why I exist on the planet. My gosh. And thank you all for joining us today on the podcast. I mean, dude, so you're 25 years old, and you have a you yeah. you know, and again, fight or flight. Most people r- run away, <clears throat> run away scared, and you know, you got no option other than to be a dad, which that's a given. But you got some real life stuff coming up. And at, at the time, what were you doing? 
you know, Trey Bowles, you, you know, yeah, Trey's one of my, my best friends yeah. and, and I see Trey, but you and Trey have so much, simil- so many similarities. I'm like, what do y'all do? Yeah. Cause there's just so many things you're involved in and it's all like, it's, it's, it's great stuff that you're winning. But yeah. so at the time at 25, what were you doing? So, um, just connecting the dots going backwards. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Dallas, grew up here, grew up in uh, DeSoto, Oak Cliff, like a tiny speck of Pleasant Grove. And, um, you know, it's on the Southern side of the city. For those who don't know, Dallas, um, you know, if you cut it into either halves or let's say 40, 60, the bottom 60% of the city, so below, depending on how you cut it, either the Trinity or 30, I-30 cutting it through, um, is about 60% of the land mass yep. and only about 15% of the tax base. So you see, like, there's a socioeconomic, you know, um, line that that you know exists there and so that's the world that i grew up in <clears throat> which i didn't know that we were uh, on the poor end of the spectrum until i went to green hill green hill is a I private you school went to, to green hill yeah 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 yeah. high school ninth grade i met this really great man his name is donald payton and i was in the talented and gifted magnet at spence so it was a school within the school all the nerd kids were like in the same school with a whole bunch of non-nerd kids now i put on camouflage because I saw how the nerds were treated from time to time. And I was like, nah, I can hoop. So, you know, I played basketball. I, you know, and I hid literally. Nobody knew I was intact until the last day where this is I got on. School? Yeah, this is middle school. I got on the short bus because they picked us up from all over the city. And so my friends were like, you're intact. I'm like, I am. Y'all have a nice life. I'll see you later. Right. And I went on up to Green Hill. Now, when I got there... How long a drive was that? I would have to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. My mom would take me to West Dallas because she taught in West Dallas. I would catch the bus there at 6.30. Oh, my gosh. And then we would go pick up more kids in East Dallas. Then we would get up to school by, like, 8. Man. Yeah. So I got to see and live both sides of the track. But to your point, you said earlier, you said you're a weaver. That's a really... I'm going to keep using that because... That experience is what gave me the ability to have relationships literally cross across the city that have served me well yeah. the entire you know all of my life. Yeah, yeah. Which, which again, Dallas needs it. You, you know Mike Avalon. <laughs> Do I know Mike Avalon? So Mike Mike was actually one of the first guys to come on the, our first guest. Oh, was the he? Show. No, Mike's good people, man. And I remember when he was running for mayor, his whole thing back to what you're saying about Dallas, and this is whether this makes it to the show or not or the episode. Yeah. He was so obsessed with getting the the fifteen percent of the people mm-hmm. intertwined with the rest of the city, because um, that's you know from a real estate perspective, there's so much opportunity there that people are never really considering. Yeah, um, that's right. Which I think in our lifetime it'll be obviously it'll be the next big boom area. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so again with the professional side of things, you're married at the time. Is you, you? Oh, at the time. Oh, and I was selling drugs, uh, with Pfizer. It's <sighs> like. All right. Yeah. Sales. We could ruin you real quick. Just yeah, like, real quick. Drugs. Edit out the rest of the part. <laughs> so selling you drugs really, with Pfizer. That's, this shows how much trust I have for yeah, you. Yeah, there's bro. a lot of trust. That's in here. right. Yeah. Um, no, I was I was in pharmaceutical sales with Pfizer, and that's actually what I would. We do. actually had a guy on the show. Yeah. That went through his story of selling drugs. Oh wow. And then realized he's like that can never air, <laughs> and it, and, it, and it didn't air. Um, so that was a yeah. nice flashback. No, that's what I would do whenever I went to uh, career day. Because and I started it because um, they put me in 
a group with like a fireman and a policeman. They sent the three of us around, so they put you in pods and then you go around. So I'm the last guy to talk. I coming in behind a guy with a huge tank and he got to put the mask on all these third graders and they're like, yeah. And then the cop is, you know, he's like got taser and all of this stuff. And then it's me. And I'm like, well, whose knee hurts? (laughs) (laughs) Who, who doesn't like Alzheimer's disease? Right. And so I was like, I I gotta have a better intro because the first class, they're not gonna they're not gonna do me like that, yeah. right? So then I came in next class. I was like, all right, kids, who wants to learn how to sell drugs? And everybody was like, oh, <laughs> you can't, you know. And the teachers like, who did I let? Who oh, no. have they let into my class? And I was like, pharmaceutical sales with Pfizer. And everybody's like, oh, and they started laughing. I was like, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Fireman, how you like that? Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I was doing that at the time, and actually doing well. Loved my job; the job was good. But you know what? I would come home at the end of the day, and even though I did really cool stuff, and I was this young kid, I got you know rep of the quarter and all that jazz. Man, I was empty. Yep, I was so unfulfilled. And I, I and actually, you know, and it wasn't that. Hey, you did. I had great stories to talk about how. Some of the medicine that I was doing changed people's lives. So it's not necessarily about are you doing a good thing. It's like are you doing your thing. Yep. Are you doing the re- the reason for which God has granted breath? Are you doing that? And I knew I wasn't. And what's interesting is I'd written that uh, mission, mission statement. statement in 07. So here we are, 08. I just hadn't had the courage to move on it yet. Mm. And so then all that stuff happens at the end of 2008, and I was like, all right. Because I also, around that time, read the book, One Month to Live. And One Month to Live, the premise is, if you had 30 days left with your life, what would you be doing? And then what, the guy that wrote it, his wife finished it, right? Because he passed away in the middle of it? Chris and Carrie Shook. Yeah. Yeah. What was, his, what was he doing? What was his... So this is like I don't know that he passed away. Someone... Did he pass away? Maybe I didn't it's even not know this. that. There's another book. Yeah. That, anyway, I'm, I'm getting you off subject. Yeah, you know, but it's, uh, it's, it's a pastoral couple that wrote it. <clears throat> and, you know... Whether, you know, it, it, yes, it comes from a Christian perspective. I recommend it for a lot of different people beyond faith because it's really about purpose and identity. You know, who are you? And all of us have a reason of being here. Matter of fact, I just saw the most powerful session I've ever participated in at any conference ever. And it was a guy who brought empirical stacks of evidence that people with purpose in their life live healthier like they they their health is physically better they're more resilient these people are more creative mm. and they just have a greater sense of fulfillment mm. and it's been repeated over and over again I, I'm, a, I'm a huge music fan yeah and i like all music uh and there's a song back in the day by tim mcgraw called live like you were dying that's it you know and i went fly fishing i went you know uh-huh. all, you know it's just like you're, you live life you know like you got nothing left whatever it's no but it's but it's yeah. true right yeah no. it, that's that's called that's why i said i gotta write it down because i i have to have something that is my constant north star for intentionality well it's a purpose-driven life which obviously is one of the most you know that's successful right. books of all time so yep. again it's it's overwhelming and i think I, I told him before we started this podcast unintentionally changed my life where i used to think when we started it i was the epitome of someone that was doing what they were supposed to be doing yeah and right i was not a sellout and i kind of lived on this island and i chose who i was around because it was a lot of kind of yes people and mm-hmm. um and that gets kind of lonely and then the first few guests i had i was like oh my gosh 
I was like, you guys are actually doing what you're supposed to be doing. And yeah. you know, I don't know if I'll ever figure it out, but it has given me the opportunity to explore and learn. And I think that's what this has been. It's been like a PhD and right. um, just learning thyself. So you go on this journey and I, I want to make sure that we get to, to big thought. And yeah. I'm not kidding you. If you guys live in Texas, you see his name. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable how many times this guy just gets recognized for stuff that is based on being a great leader, but he's also beat me in some stuff. And so maybe we'll get there, but, but like with what you're doing now, obviously, you know, children and and a purpose and a mission statement for life, which I've never heard someone do that, but I think that's really powerful and it keeps you accountable. But like right now, like how are you leveraging your gifts? Yeah. Are you cold? No. Oh, I thought you were. No, no, this is my intent. This is like my into it. This is my into it pose. I got this. Big ass vest on yeah. is so hot, but no, I'm like, and, and I'm drinking coffee, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I thought, yeah. that. I was like, if it's cold, I'll, nah, I'll, I'll turn it up. No, nah, no, nah, this is my intuit uh, posture. So what? What's the? I mean, like, what? What do you get to do now? Tell, tell us about your your business and your and your your mission and and how you've created a, you, you've created this yeah. not persona, but I mean, you're a thought leader, which is such an overused yeah. term, but like you really are a thought leader in wow, a community that needs it. Well, you know you are. Uh, so, but like, I appreciate and it. your company is called Big Thought. It is called Big Thought. So, but I mean, get get us to where from twenty five until yeah, your 30s. yeah, 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 absolutely, man. So, I you know, great question. There was a guy who asked me, and I was a mentor. He's like, I really want to follow your path. I was like, bro, I don't know how to tell you to do what what just happened, right? Uh, other than get your mission statement, because I used to think that. Well, I'll put it to you like this: I've thrown away every five year plan I've ever had. Yeah. Because what I realize is if you do it right and you stay on purpose on a mission, you realize you don't have enough imagination. Dude, amen. Yeah. I, I had a guy tell me a year ago that as he's gotten older, he realizes adults aren't supposed to use their imagination. Mm. And then I got obsessed with telling people there's a difference between being a child and being a kid. Yeah. And every single day I want to be a I want to be a kid. That's I what I'm want, talking about. But but I but it's important and I and I think that people run yeah. away from it. And there's obviously extremes. Like we shouldn't be playing video games at two o'clock in the morning. Hundred percent. But you can be creative. Matter of fact, <clears throat> that's actually our thesis. So I'll walk you there. So left uh Pfizer, went back to an and I say back for a very explicit purpose because in 2000 something something, I was 19 years old. Me, Carl Dorville, who oh, you dude. probably know. Yeah, how is he not president yet? I know, right? So me, Carl Dorville, and Celeste, my wife. eventual wife, we were riding back to my mom's house because I think we had run out of quarters or something. And we would just we just needed laundry done, detergent, whatever. You're at SMU. SMU. Yeah. Started a company called Group Excellence. Carl's the president and CEO. Um, we got it started. <clears throat> and then uh, it was going, I was going to go do my big boy career, right, at Pfizer. And then I realized this is a place where I need to be. So I left and came back to Group Excellence. I came in at the, I wasn't even an employee. I was like, a, I was like, but I need to be here. Mm-hmm. So I helped expand us to Lancaster Independent School District. It was a mentoring and tutoring company. So we would take college students and bring them in as the tutor mentors for math and then eventually science and reading. All right. So when I came in, we were doing our thing and we were and then eventually I worked my way up to VP and we grew. Hmm. Right? And so 2011, we're a bunch of young black guys, right? Like who, you know, we didn't have MBAs or anything yet or anything like that. He did say yet. Yeah. I don't have one yet. Yeah. Carl has one. He's he's uh, Carl shoot, he graduated with a 
double bachelor's, I think. He's a brilliant guy. But we we grew. And so $15 million top line revenue 2011. We were the fifth fastest growing education company in the country. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, then private equity, um, you know, took notice. And we were able to have an exit. And so then I went from there to run the foundation for Dallas Independent School District. Mm. Dallas Which education is when Department. you and I like kind of first That's really right. connected. I think it was on LinkedIn or something. That's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have the, the mustachio. Yeah, you were still rocking the uh, you know five o'clock shadow yeah. thing, like uh-huh. the perma shadow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's five the... o'clock somewhere. Yeah, no, on, you know on my saying? lip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always five o'clock on my lip. Yeah, God dang right. Yeah, own it. Yeah, no. Yeah, and then, thank you. And then from there, um, I took what some people would say is a detour into banking, but it wasn't a detour. Here's why: because I realized that at some point I wanted to have some degree of influence connection. Um, and an ability to pull levers at a policy and systemic level. I learned a ton of stuff when I was working in the district. And so I wasn't just running a foundation. I was working very closely with the superintendent, like, you know, pseudo cabinet member. And, and I just learned how the system worked. And I was like, man, there's a lot of stuff that we could do, but there's stuff, a ton of stuff we can't do because the policy environment doesn't allow us to do it. So I want to go do that. I don't know if that means I'm running for office or something, but in some way I'm going to do that now what I need to do is learn big dollars and cents. And I was looking for a way to happen. Uh, and then I came in and I was advisor at the private bank of Bank of America. Started off in high net worth uh, with U.S. Trust. Now it's called Bank of America Private Bank. And then I eventually got over to institutions. So I was managing the assets and helping build nonprofit management strategies for foundations, endowments, helped a couple of corporations start their foundations, those kinds of things. Super cool. I was on the board of Big Thought at that time. Um, and so then now all of a sudden I'm chair-elect and it's my responsibility in part to help bring in the new CEO. And so we're going through the process and I kept having this thing. Mm. Like just mm. living in your head for free. Yep. And it said basically this is the thing. This is the thing. This is the thing. And it's and I got to that awareness by putting it through the filter. The person who usually it's a person kind of speaking to you, right? And then essentially that person saying something kicks open the gate and then all of the flood of your purpose, passion, and you know, energy to make a move, you know, just gushes forward. And so Janice Evans Page, who now runs the Tides um, Foundation group nationally she at the time was running the fossil foundation and she was on our selection committee and she's like now why aren't you considering this again because she knew me really well and i was like dad gummit janice you're right Mm. so i threw my name in the hat resigned from the board and um was like okay here we are go for broke we'll see what happens this four years ago this was man it'll be six years ago so pre-covid pre-covid 18 Uh So I went through the process in 17. Okay. Yeah. Explain to me what Big Thought does. In, in it's my minutes. favorite thing in the world. Oh, we create you- creators for a 21st century world. What that means is young people, all of the skills that need to be built outside of the traditional classroom, that's what we focus on. Hmm. And we do that um, because, and I, and I say this, not because it's something that, you know, one, it's important. And I think everybody acknowledges, hey, it takes more than what you learn on your transcript, right? But how specific do we get about that? 
the business world is actually screaming at us about it right now. Number one most desired skill across every sector, every single sector, Rogers. Is what? 19 and 20 on LinkedIn, creativity. Number one most desired skill. Meaning, like literally, you're saying? Literally. And that can be defined? In a ton of different ways. I'll talk to you about how we define it. But when you look at the World Economic Forum Future Jobs Reports, creativity, problem solving, critical thinking, one, two, and three, right? What The reason why these skills are being elevated in a strange way is because of technology. It's because all the things that we say, okay, you know, Rogers, if you're a good numbers guy, how good is that when I have ChatGPT, right? If you're somebody who's like, yo, I'm an amazing coder, well, you're not gonna be better than the AI bots that are coding other algorithms, right? So what's far more important is that, yes, you have a functional understanding of how these things work, but you being a particular whiz kid at any particular code, it's not about that. It's about the ideas. Are you able to distill, connect a bunch of previously diffused concepts, ideas, and things and come up with a new insight that's going to move the market? Hmm. You can see that even at a macroeconomic level. So Ocean Tomo did this really cool study. They looked at... Uh, the S&P 500, and they were looking at, all right, how much of the S&P 500 is, um, w- how much of the S&P 500 is hard assets versus soft assets? Hard assets, inventory, you know, stuff you can touch, whatever. Soft assets, ideas, innovation, IP, brand equity, right? 1975 is like 83% hard assets. Fast forward to 2020, it's like 90% of the S&P 500 determined by soft assets but if you go to our schools and you look at how our schools are shaped and what kids have to do here's your syllabus take the test pass the test give it back now you're a good student and that is not how the world works so what we do a big thought is we use the out of school time space summer learning space and we bring programs out of school time Uh summer programs okay and then we actually bring programs into schools that allow kids to flex their creative muscle, to huh. start to channel their imagination, wow. and do all the things that matter outside of traditional school as we know it. Which your other byproduct, too, is you're channeling imagination the people that are there helping because the best way to learn something is to teach. And so they're probably benefiting, which is going to go to their community as adults and people that aren't 19 and 20. And That's right. You're, you're doing your you're bonfire. Hundred percent. Wow. Hundred percent. So, I mean, like, there's no end goal with what you're doing, right? Is it just to is it to scale it and to bring it globally? <clears throat> how, how do you do so that? So the end goal, the end goal for Big Thought, and, and I, I'm not even kidding when I say this, and it can sound crazy if if, if it must, but at 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 Big Thought, we're not just looking to do after school better. We're not looking to do summer better. What we're looking to do is to fundamentally change school and education, youth development systems as we know it. So that it recalibrates from measuring reading, writing, arithmetic to measuring skills that are being built for young people that are that are. Um, you, well, I don't know what the term is. You're you're, you're safe. Like you have a, a runway where a That's computer right. cannot exactly take you down. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Because really, in five years, I mean, let's go back five years from today. Would you have been able to predict that there's going to be a six-figure salary sector? of something called a prompt engineer. I didn't know that. 
Matter of fact, I just learned about prompt engineer six months ago. Yeah, I never heard that till six so, seconds ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But now, six-figure salaries of people whose sole job is to put in prompts in AI in order to shape it and make it do what it does better. Yeah. How are you going to predict that? Yeah. You can't. So since we know the rate of change is only going up, and it's only increasing, and today's third grader is going to be meeting jobs, 90% of the jobs that they'll see in their job market, we don't even have names for right now. How in the world are you as a fifth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade teacher going to be like, all right, kid, listen, if you keep your head down and you do all of this stuff, you'll get to be something by the time you graduate. A YouTube influencer. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, you're, yeah, so you're, you're, you're bridging the gap between reality and creativity, but also giving people a platform for work ethic. That's it. Where you're defying the odds. Yeah. Um, we gave it form and function. We created this whole thing called the creator archetype, five different domains that actually measures your ability to become that skills-based 21st century ready learner. Wow. I'm going to do rapid fire with you. Do Just, it. Um, best advice you've ever received? Be self-aware. Who gave it to you? My um, premarital counselor, counselor uh, Pastor Rod Stodgel. I like that. Yeah. Best And the advice you give to the 19 and 20-year-olds that you get to impact? At some point, take a class or do an experience that's either theater, debate, or improv. Hmm. What, what were you? All of them. No, except for debate. Yeah, same. My wife would argue that point. She would say that. The irony, she would argue yeah. that you were in You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I realized that midway through my sentence. Yeah, no, it worked. Man, yeah, that was, was meta. That's a great setup. It was really good. Yeah, it was AI taught me how that's to do it. Was. Good job. Um, advice you'd give to people in the community that, that want to give back but don't think they have the opportunity or the time to. Oof. <clears throat> Real answer? Yeah. Figure out who you are. Because when you figure out who you are, that answer is going to come to you and you won't be asking that specific question. Hmm. It'll be clearer. Hmm. And, and what kind of people do you look for to help with, with the community that you're building? I'm looking for people who respect young people as sovereign human beings and realize that they're not going to come and inject something good into them, but that it's already there. Hmm. And their job is to be there as a facilitator to allow that young person's voice agency to manifest. And that's the thing that's going to change the world. Lord, you look back in 70 years and, you know, from a worldly perspective, the impact that you're that you're making, what are you going to be most proud of? Obviously, your wife and your children. OK, I was about to say, because no, I'm saying like, worldly from like your, yeah. your professional career. You've done you've worked at Pfizer. You've worked at, you know, Fortune 10 companies. You've, you've done stuff for the community. You've built stuff. You've exited. You've had private equity you know, recapitalized company you built while you were in college on your way to get your laundry done. Mm. But you, you've done all these things, right? And, and the common theme is it seems like you're leaving things better than you found it. Mm -hmm. But you also want to work for companies that, that kind of need you, which yeah. in turn, you need them and you're figuring that out. And so when you look back at the end of, you know, your career and end of your life and yeah. you could pinpoint the thing that you did better than anybody that was true to your mission statement, what is it? Whew. I want to have been able to create systems, enact policies, and create structural change that allowed people to be able to recognize their common humanity and embrace society that actually shows that. How do you measure that? Yeah. So this current division that we have in our society right now, red versus blue, 
rural versus urban, right? Like there's a lot of that going. Um, white versus, you know, black versus brown versus, you know, Asian. Um, I would love to have a world where white folks recognize the common humanity and the common struggles that they have with people of color uh, that have grown up in or have come from, you know, um, or, you know, just have been the beneficiary or who have received the legacy of um, inequity that we've passed on from, you know, one generation to the next. I, I would love for everybody to recognize that none of us are free unless all of us are free. Huh. And the duress that we're under, the need to protect something comes from realizing, or I think comes from a misunderstanding of the uh, abundance that we have in society. And if we saw um, your neighbor, even if that neighbor's 300 miles away as a true brother or a true sister, then I think we'd be willing to make some collective societal sacrifices or changes that could embrace that. So as a white man, what's my homework? Here's your homework. You know, I, anytime I go, I, I always ask, I, I give reading assignments. Oh, we, we were in there talking about ADHD. Potting assignments. Potting? Potting, either podcast or oh. Audible. You will love Audible. I'm <laughs> encouraging you to do this, or just ask ChatGPT to summarize okay. it for you. All right. <laughs> What's my homework? Um, the Color of Law okay. is a really important book, and it's especially important for you. The reason why is because you're a badass real estate guy. Um, the Color of Law is written by this really good guy, Juice Guy, um, who showed that you know when we talk about how our country gets to a better version of itself. We have to just recognize what happened and say it out loud mm. that, you know, South Dallas isn't South Dallas just because black folks don't know how to take care of stuff. It's South Dallas because it was intentionally the way it's it's economically depressed because that's how it was drawn up. And so we have the same maps <laughs> of inequity that existed from the 30s. You can layer it on top of today. And there's remedies for that. That's in all of our shared interests. Like it's the shared interest. So color of law. Other thing that I'm significantly deeply invested in right now. So that's kind of on the race and equity side. There's this conversation that's happening right now or not happening right now, but starting to happen about boys and men. Motown, um, Philly. I know, right? Yeah, again. no, that's You're boys too, man. That's okay. boys too, man. It's a different, it's a different small all the letter. Philly cheese sticks you can eat. Yeah. Really good job. Thank you. Yeah, only that that deep voice can only come from somebody but like six three and and taller. Six five. Yeah. See. Yeah. Good job. Boys to Men, by the way, the last great all time R and B soul group. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw them in concert by myself, front row, and when they sing "I'll Make Love to You," they hand out roses, and I got did you one. get one? I kept it. Did you put it in your mouth? I think I left after. I was like, "This is kind of creepy." Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Listen. Was House of Blues they again, man. We are going back to like the bro flirt. Wanya Morris is potentially the best live voice I've ever heard in my entire life. I am a huge fan. I tried to sing like Wanye growing up, and and you know he does the head thing, right? Like, yeah. like when he's doing his runs, yeah. I thought that was the thing that made the made the voice. And that's how he ripped his Achilles. Turns out, yeah. <laughs> it's also not effective for everybody. Mm -hmm. no. I just sound like I'm sitting on top of a washing machine. 
Oh, well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I completely cut off a really beautiful moment. You did. Uh, but that's cool. Because we both have ADHD. Yeah, he asked me earlier, he goes, and he was being, do you have attention deficit disorder? I said, no, I have attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And then we had a cup of coffee, which is what guys with ADD should not be doing. Absolutely. But because we know each other, that's why I was asking you. Because if I didn't have it, I don't think I'd be that bold because I see it very clearly in your success. Oh, well, thank you. But you, you also probably about? see it clearly in the fact that I'm in a chair and I cannot sit still. And you see it clearly in the fact that we just decided to do something randomly and we were both okay with it. Wow. Back to the color of law. Color of law. Yeah. Next book. <laughs> There's a really important conversation. You're, you said you're obsessed from uh, the difference between boys and men. Boys and men. ABC, here's here's ABC. what here's what happened, the man. East Coast family. I feel never skipped a beat. No. Yeah. No. Good job Did though. Good job. Keep going. Like Keep that. going. Just a little quieter. In all the villages. There we go. I need I need it to be a soundtrack that I'm like riffing over. Thank you. you oh, can we mean? talk about remember another bad creation? Yes. ABC BBD. Yeah, Aisha. Yeah, you are good, good and I never we had. We played Nintendo. And I want to get to know you better. Yep. She couldn't stay up that late. She had to be <laughs> home at eight. Yeah. Um. We, we played Nintendo. Yeah, at the playground. At the playground. Yeah. Yeah, I have a I collect music memorabilia, and no joke, one of the hardest autographs I've ever had to find was I have original another bad creation from when they were like eight, and they signed it, and a couple of them have passed away recent, not recently, but they they died. But it was Boys to Men, really, ABC and BBD, oh Bell Bib DeVoe, the East Coast family. Yes, yeah. no, yeah, because I mean, like that was a New Jack Swing, it was awesome, bro. Oh, dude, it's yeah. phenomenal. I'm randomly friends with uh, with Ronnie DeVoe. Um, which is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. He's a realtor. He was uh, a dude with the, with the eyebrows, like the real thin eyebrows. He was the real tall guy. Yeah, he was a tall, lanky, light-skinned brother. Yeah, but I'm he was it. in, I mean, he still is tall, lanky, and light-skinned. And light-skinned, yeah. Um, and he's he, still a brother. Yeah, but he, you know how they got their start, right, with New Edition? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, man, like, that's that's our era, brother. Like, yeah. we, we grew up on that. Those yeah. are our first CDs. Those are compact discs for all of you people who, you well, know, don't know how that stuff works. I actually had a cassette single to Poison, which is another great song. And as an eight-year-old, I went around and said, excuse me, never trust a big butt and a smile. And I didn't realize that could get me in trouble, um, which is a lyric from Poison. Um, and that is how I get canceled. How? Okay, back to back to Boys the, and men, boys speaking and of which. BBD. So the, this notion, uh, there's actually a book called Of Boys and Men. I'm encouraging you to check that one out. You would love it to listen to it on the pod. Okay. Like as you're working out or whatever, I promise you. I work out. Yeah. The reason why it's important is because I was actually thinking about my daughter, interestingly enough. And I'm thinking about the world that she's going to be stepping out into. And if we don't find a way for us to allow men's definition of maleness, masculinity, to evolve past what I think was um, – Good in some respects, but also in a lot of respects, the the way that it was uh, oppressive to women, the way that it was hyper-violent without any purpose or without a uh, appropriate um, direction toward protection, right? The way that we, we had things that were male, and because of unchecked kind of power of it, you created something like patriarchy, right? But it also means that not every part of those pieces of ourselves are bad. But the question is, how do they exist in a world today where you're not asking women to just stay home and raise the kids and that's the only place for them? Because it shouldn't be, mm -hmm. right? How do you evolve so that men now are not dealing with all these insecurities, um, honestly, are not um, 
have have understood that they have a space, they have purpose, they have identity, um, and that it's okay to be, you know, some of that stuff that you're feeling inside. But here's a really positive manifestation of it that serves both him well and the rest of society. That book is also a really good one too. Man, your wealth of knowledge. Um, your face is a wealth of knowledge. Your face. Your face. Really? Mm-hmm. Are we back to mandating? <laughs> oh, there's a there's a double. All right, I, I, I've got to ask before I forget, and this might have to be the last question, but mm. what's the best way to support you? Whether And again, somebody could be listening to this in Dallas, they could mm. listen to it in L.A., Atlanta, yeah. Dublin, who knows? But what's the best way to support you? One, big thought, you, Byron, yeah. the person, and then three, just as a community in large. Best way to support uh, me, Byron, <clears throat> is actually very closely with uh, aligned to how you support big thought. Two things, one, we always need money. I'm not going to trip. So if you want to give us money, go to bigthought.org, and we would love the investment. It is going toward amazing causes. We have work in the schools, in community, and even in the justice system. Lowest recidivism rate program serving youth in Dallas County and now Tarrant County Creative Solutions. So come and invest in that. But the second thing is this. This year, we named ourselves um, a national organization. And we named it because that's actually what was happening. <laughs> so Big Thought is not just about the North Texas area. North Texas is our lab. But if they, if there's anybody out there listening that could benefit from having a partner come alongside them to help with program design, executing out-of-school time programs, coming in and transforming um, how we treat and how we bring restorative practices in our justice systems, holler at us. Bigthought.org. Okay, there's the website. And yeah. then an email too, or is that just the, just go there and they'll figure yeah, it out? Go go there and you'll figure it out. I have learned that I was way too free with my email when I first took this job. I didn't realize how many people would be using it. And I bet you can still find it. You can. If you Google don't, it. Don't, I get it. Don't do that. I just Rogers. have my cell phone on our on our websites and Really? Some people would like to call because they're not happy. And I would answer. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, my cell phone gives me anxiety. I got to give, I, exactly. Yeah. I'm not, listen, I don't want to invite that. I don't want to invite that. Be like, great life. podcast, or we had a great experience. Oh, it's man, like, we're about great. to sue you. Wrong, <laughs> wrong number, wrong number. <laughs> call Byron. Um, all right. The most important question you've ever been asked um, What is your theme song? But it has to be late 80s to mid 90s R&B based. Dang. Sorry. Can I go? Can I go early two thousands? Um, it's college. Um, like Cisco thong song? No, not thong oh, okay. song. More Usher. Oh, really? Dude, uh, Usher Confessions is the best R and B album of uh, the of that decade. How dare you? Don't, uh, I mean, we can go there, Rogers. Uh, you are a. I'm not an Usher. He's performing. He's the Super Bowl halftime this year. Come too. on, man. That's because everybody's Usher fan. Yeah. And then the Tiny yeah. Desk concert yeah. really lit it back up. Yeah. Tiny Desk made me a fan of Macklemore. Made me a fan man. of um, T Pain. Yeah, T Pain was really, really good. I was like, what he the? was actually surprisingly really, really it's good. Like, this brother has a voice. Um, and who else was on it? Random. Oh, recently. Uh, now, uh, uh, now, now Rogers. What's the group? Now Rogers was in. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, the freak. La Chic. Oh, uh, 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 see now. Um, I would have. Was it maybe La Freak? Yeah, yeah, it's just La Freak. No, I was like, I was like, I was like, I was, like, like, I was really, gonna say La Freak, I but I didn't want to be like an idiot. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So you want Confessions Usher as your theme song? Gosh, no, no. That, that's, that's not my theme song. That might not be trouble. Theme song. I'm trying to think about theme song, though, man. <laughs> confessions. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I yeah. love admitting infidelity. That's yeah, my like, favorite. If you're watching this, everything is, is secure. Time. Yeah. Um, all right, well, maybe we'll come back to that. No, 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 man. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. Keep going. But I will This is I the last question. One. No, it's, we're watching one. you think. How big of a thought can you give us? You have five seconds. All right, listen. I'm going to buck your trend, uh, and I will go with a theme song, um, but it's Toby and Weegway, Five Five. Are you familiar with Toby? Maybe. Okay. Here's the thing. He's like a Nigerian-American guy. I know the name. From Houston. He's always with his family. And I just get so hype off of this man's music. It's extraordinarily positive. He tells real stories, all of that stuff. And when I'm ready to, like, just turn up, fire. Not Confessions by Usher? Not Confessions by Usher, actually. No. Look, we ended that's, on a positive note. That's a vibe. That's a vibe. I mean, in, in, that's your walk-up song. That's not my walk-up song. Because, These again. Confessions. <laughs> Byron's here. Hide your wife. Actually, yeah. that yeah. <laughs> nah, man. No, me and my wife have been in one contiguous relationship since two thousand with each other. With each, well, yes, yeah, that's really, what I meant. Yeah, um, we've been. You're really trying to back out of the usher thing. I yeah. really am because yeah. I because that's not my that's not my. <laughs> I'm gonna look at all of these cameras, even with the peripheral vision on this one. That is not yeah. my theme song. It's not. It's just his jam. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But but I can live. I don't have to live through other people's stories. I can just appreciate you know them tell, speaking their truth. Yeah. He's just a great songwriter. He's a great songwriter. Yeah. And dancer. Yeah. And singer. Yeah. You know who could have been bigger than Usher is Chris Brown. I was such a big yeah. Chris Brown fan. Chris, uh, you know, going back to like the toxic masculinity part. Um, <clears throat> Chris, I I I have a very special pension in my life. Uh, where I I cannot suffer domestic violence. Yeah, I just oh, can't. Yeah. I, I have with Rihanna. Everybody has lines, and that's one of mine. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's not that you can do it, and then you know you're canceled out of my life forever. But there has been no accountability it. for it. You know what I mean? I get it. And so he could have been bigger. You know who else could have been if? Give me a hint. Um, Mario. You don't want to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, um, listen, he's he Nike's good, he fresh out the box. I think it was a little bit before his time. Yeah. He was with the um, not little. He was with the little Bow Wow uh, era. He was with that Bow Wow era, and ironically, the Chris Brown era. And also, he's Mario went on the. He was in Moesha. He was. He was. Oh no! You're thinking about a different Mario. No, I'm thinking of Mario with the with the cornrows, with the tight cornrows. He was kind of short. N- different Mario. That's what I'm saying. Oh, like yeah. Mario, who was like uh, this generation. You should let me uh, love He was like this generation's um, D'Angelo. Oh, you know what? Interesting. Thank you. I've never heard it put like that. But I'm saying he has the look. He had the soulful voice. He had the soulful voice. He had the smooth. He wasn't like a. He wasn't as good a dancer as Chris Brown, but he would get it. Yeah. You know but, what I'm saying? He but, was smooth. But there's another Mario that. There was, is another Mario. Yeah. yeah. Shorter and, and the little little Omarion. Omarion. Okay. Yeah. From um, um, Immature. Yeah. Later on, IMX. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I, I, can, get, I can get with we you. We just reached the two and a half hour mark of the Damn, podcast. This is amazing. Um, we do have to end it, mm-hmm. um, but this was awesome. You did a great job. Any final any final thoughts? Um, listen, go out and grow a mustache. 
Um, it'll change your life. Maybe you will be as fulfilled, as handsome, um, as smart and successful as um, Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. Grow a mustache. That was awesome.